Well, hey, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, depending on what part of the country that you're in. This is the Rebel News Daily Roundup, normally hosted by David Menzies and then somebody else. Today, it's hosted by me and my friend Alexa Lavoie. Alexa, you're in studio. I think this is your first time seeing the new studio. What's yeah. it like? I haven't seen it yet. It's so amazing. I really like it. It's so well built. Yeah, I, I th and people, if you want to um, still, you can still get involved in helping us cover the cost of that. It's buildthedream.ca. You can see um, how much it costs and the, everything we want to do in the studio and all the things that we have done in the studio. So buildthedream.ca. Now, I should tell everybody what we're doing before we get into the things that we want to talk about today. And there's a bunch. Um, but um, uh, if you want to support the work that we do completely willingly... Um, and you are watching us on the censorship platform of YouTube, might I suggest you migrate over to a more free speechy platform, let's say Rumble um, or Locals.com or Odyssey. On those platforms, you're given the opportunity to leave us a paid chat. On Rumble, it's called a Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called a Hyper Chat. And if you leave us a paid chat, that sort of democratizes the show. You can take the show in your own direction because we will read your paid chat and respond to it on air. And it is something that we rely on here at Rebel News because we'll never take a penny from Justin Trudeau because how could we hold him accountable if we did do that? <clears throat> Mainstream media, you mm -hmm. absolute... <laughs> panhandlers. Um, anyway, let, so that all that is to say, let's get into the news of the day. But before we do, there's another way that you can support the work that we do here at Rebel News and show your rebel pride. And that is by maybe heading on over to the Rebel News store at rebelnewsstore.com and grab it. Let's see, that's Ezra's favorite shirt, the Justin Castro shirt. But um, this is one of the ways that you can support uh, Rebel News and uh, get yourself a little something in return. And we've got a whole bunch of brand new Canada Day merch that um, if you order now sort of within the next week or so, it should get to you in time before Canada Day so that you can wear it on Canada Day or as David Menzies says, Dominion Day. And if you'd like a 10% discount, you can use the coupon code Sheila10 or you can use Alexa10 um, to take advantage of a 10% discount. And I think we have... It's free shipping on our merch, is it not? I believe it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, uh, oh, gosh, I haven't even seen all the new Canada Day stuff. Me too. <laughs> I'm, I am supposed to be, like, with a keen eye to the merch store just for editorial purposes, although I think it's hard to do something controversial um, with Canada Day stuff unless, you know, like, you listen to the left and even celebrating Canada Day is some sort of sin if you... Um, you know, if you're just a normal person, apparently fireworks in Canada Day and singing the appropriate anthem, that's some sort of sin with these people. But um, the new merch looks great. There's a ton in there. Good job, merch team. Looks awesome. Um, we need Quebec Day, too. <laughs> Do you guys have a Quebec Day? When yeah. is that? It's 23 of June. Oh, see, in Alberta, there's no such thing as Labor Day. Uh, one of the best things that Jason Kenney did was snatch Labor Day away from the unions and then turn it into Alberta Day. But, so, you know, that was, you know what? He's got a complicated legacy, but that's one thing I'm in favor of. But it's a good uh, background story of uh, yeah. Alberta Day. 
Yeah, that's how we got it. Jason Kenny was like, eh, you know, the unions, say they're not the greatest. Let's make this a day for all Albertans instead of just the union movement. And uh, the union movement was pretty upset, but um, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's a good thing that he did. Um, one more uh, housekeeping note before we move on. For those of you who are interested, and I cannot recommend this trip enough. Um, I, it's at rebelvacations.com. And if you really want to have the scales fall away from your eyes in real time, might I suggest you come with us to Israel and Dubai. Um, we're going, I believe it is in September, Efron, Olivia, correct me if I'm wrong. Can we bring up the Rebel Vacations? Okay. So it's the Abraham Accords fact-finding mission to Israel and Dubai. And I'll be there. Drea will be there. Avi will be there. David Menzies will be there September 5th to 14th. Um, this is, uh, it will be a packed trip. Like you are going to be learning something about the Holy Land and the Middle East every single day. One of the things that I found most fascinating was um, just what the wall really is, what the security fence really is, because it's not really a security fence in most places. Um, so you'll we'll visit uh, Israel's borders with the Gaza Strip, Lebanon and Syria, the threat of Iran. Uh, we're also going to the UAE um, because you can do that now because one of Trump's greatest legacies is that peace broke out in the Middle East. And, um, you know, you'll you'll see the sights and sounds of the Holy Land that um, that I, historically you'll really enjoy, um, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're, you're a Jew or not, you know, you'll go to the Church of the Nativity. You'll also go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is the site of the crucifixion. And um, I found myself making third class relics all over the place. I remember Ezra's like, you got to buy another rosary. I'm like, yeah, I got to rub it on everything around here. Um, so I just, I came home with like a suitcase full of rosaries. It was a lot. I've been there twice and I feel like I still haven't seen and learned all the things that I want to learn about the Holy Land. So if you want to join us because we want to take our friends with us, um, please go to rebelvacations.com where you can get more details. But it is a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and I can't wait to bring people with us and have them just, like, learning about these things in real time and, and cutting through the media lies. Like, the media lies so much about Israel, and then you go there and you're like, no, this, it, there, there might be, um, as they say, um, apartheid there but it's definitely not in the way you think it is there are places where jews can't go that's how that works um you'll learn about the media lies in real time it's going to be really shocking for you um and, and i as i said it's a once in a lifetime trip and uh you're gonna have so much fun with your favorite rebels which i believe includes me you look so much passionate it's beautiful oh i love it <laughs> i love it i love it i you know what was i'll tell you a little anecdote the first time i was there Uh, and you have a, a, to be a tour guide in Israel, it's like a university level course, right? Like it's not just like some guy pointing at stuff. It's, you have to have a history of archaeology and, and biblical history. So you have to know everything, right? And Israel is just, it's living history, right? Like you build a garage and you excavate to build a garage and you're like, oh, I found a Roman temple. Like it's, it's that sort of stuff, right? Every day. And we're driving and the tour guide goes, 
do you know, you know, when Jesus went and he sort of wrestled with the devil, he was tormented by the devil in the wilderness. And the tour guy's like, that's the wilderness right there. And I'm like, what? He's like, that, that's the wilderness right there. I'm like, there are people riding dirt bikes there. He's like, yeah, but, you know, we live in history every day. We interact with history every day. Like you, you forget that these things that you read in the Bible, these places that you see in the Bible. Mm-hmm are people just live in them in real time. And I'm like, there are people ripping donuts <laughs> in the wilderness where Jesus struggled with the devil. It's, um, it's really something else. It's really, it's a, an amazing trip. And like I said, it's a once in a lifetime trip. One day, one day for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a very traveled lady though. You've yeah. been to a lot of places in the world. Um, I think we should get right into the wildfire scenario because oh, yeah. the liberals and the left in the mainstream media, but I think I'm probably repeating myself because they seem to be all the same people with all the same agenda. They really want the wildfires that started in Alberta that, you know, like our wildfires now are under control. They've lifted the state of emergency in our province, I think just a couple of days ago. Um, but in Ontario, Quebec and the East coast, they are raging and, mm -hmm. Now Toronto is dealing with the bad air quality that we dealt with a month ago here. And it, it's, you know, like it's, I'm not sure. Is it apocalyptically orange there right now? Is it really smoky and orange? Um, I heard, I heard some people were like, it's the sky is orange. It looked like it's burning, but I yeah. didn't notice me because I mean, Quebec, Montreal, but one of my friends, she lived where the fire is and they were evacuated from, yeah. um, from the area. So they, they needed to all take the people away. So it's kind of sad because when you think that her house is all built in wood, and you need to leave your home and you don't know if your home will be burned when you come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I live in a log house and the fires were literally two miles over from where I was when I was away from home. I was in Regina for work. And luckily my husband was home with kids. Um, normally it's just my in-laws who are here with the kids when I'm gone, but it was very, very close. And I live in a log house. It just would have gone up like that. Mm -hmm. But the work that these firefighters do, by the way, so, you know, after the fire had been under control and I sort of drove by as they were putting out hot spots, to see just how close the fires got to these really nice homes. Mm -hmm. And they were able to save the homes. Like just right up to their lawn, everything's burned. And then it looks like this house, perfect house in the middle of the fire. It's really amazing the work that these firefighters do. But it is also being undermined by um, the politicians. So let's go to Nova Scotia. Yeah. Nova Scotia, um, they're fires um, are uh, still burning out of control. And some of these smoke plumes are ending up in New York City, um, where New York City is, I, I suppose, experiencing even worse air quality than they normally get in living one of the world's largest cities. But um, so initially it was reported and we, sh we corrected our reporting. Initially, it was reported that um, arsons had started some of the fires, the wildfires, in Nova Scotia. Now, the arsons were contained and did not create a wildfire. And But that is not to say that the fires are not arson. 
they're still investigating mm -hmm. the, the fires there for arson. And in uh, Alberta, several <laughs> of the wildfires were arson, um, including the, these ones that were burning in Cold Lake. Um, man facing 10 arsons um, after a string of wildfires. Um, major fires every single year in Alberta actually happened to be arson. So the fire that burned the town of Slave Lake to the ground a few years ago, that was arson. Um, but fires just also start. They start by lightning. They start by cigarettes being thrown out. They start by sparks being thrown off the tailpipe and, of um, an ATV. That's what happens when you live in the boreal forest where much of Canada outside of the major cities actually live. Like the, the, the prairies, you know, you have the prairies and the grasslands, but the grass, grasslands where I live mm -hmm. eventually just smash right into the boreal forest. And the most of the country is covered in one of the world's largest forests. So you're going to have forest fires every now and then. And it's, uh, it's not climate change making people throw cigarette butts out the window. Yeah. And it's crazy. Is it true when they say that, according to the summary offense ticket regulation, the high fine remain in place until June 25 or until the province deems it permissible? The penalty initially cost violator $237. What is yes. that? This is uh, not a penalty. <laughs> uh, no, and it can get a lot worse because if that's an accidental fire, like say you threw a cigarette butt out the window. Yeah. Um, Okay, but what happens is if you're particularly careless or if you're more than careless, but an actual arsonist as the man mm -hmm. in Cold Lake is, they might make you accountable for the firefighting costs or at least to some of the firefighting costs. And this, I mean, in Alberta, I mean, I'm sure it's in the billions because we had, you know, a month, mm -hmm. six weeks of out of control fires here. So um, I, I suppose the ticket <laughs> might be how they get you. But then they want restitution for what you've done, which can be a lot higher than this. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how fire, or how climate change can make you a fire bug. But apparently that's the case. I think we have a clip from, the, is it from the environment minister? Do we, do we have a clip or is it just a story? Okay, so this is a story from our environment minister, Stephen Gilbo. He says that he could accelerate climate action if he didn't have to fight the conservatives, which is insane because these people have been in charge since 2015. They've had a majority to do whatever they want since 2015. I've been paying a carbon tax since 2015. I'm sorry if the conservatives are opposing you, but he's had a majority. The NDP right now in the minority government are going to let him do whatever he wants. He's still blaming the conservatives for yeah. the fire. At what point? Let's concede it is climate change, and I don't, because there's a whole host of reasons why we have fire seasons in Canada, and one of them actually is El Nino. Um, and weather patterns that are cyclical. But he, let's take his argument. Let's even concede that that's the case. They've been in charge since 2015. That's eight years. You can't keep blaming the other side for this. He told me if I paid a carbon tax, then the world would be saved. And instead, he's still blaming the conservatives, even though he's in charge and gets to do whatever he wants. Uh, this is... Um... 
the background of Stephen Gilbo with Greenpeace activist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, the guy wearing orange coveralls because he got in trouble as a Greenpeace activist. But where the, the wildfire um, would occur in Quebec, it was on some native land because um, one of the area that my friend like stay around is the AU Ishchi Bay James that is like a native like area so um, and it's it's so wild there it's just forests everywhere it's beautiful though but when um, it's getting dry there it's easy like to just drop something and everything's starting fire <laughs> yeah Uh, well, that's the thing, like, especially in Alberta, we we have these cyclical fire seasons where um, it's not always the case that um, we have a rainy spring, we'll have a very dry spring. Um, and so that leads to wildfires. People, you know, it, it just that's how it is. We get mm-hmm. grass fires that spread and they keep going. And then it's quite windy in some parts of our province, particularly in the spring. And it's always shocking to people who don't live here when we have these big fires because they're they turn and they say, oh, it's because of your oil sands emissions or it's, oh, your dirty fossil fuels or whatever. And we're like, no, our forest communities have burned down for a hundred years. We have raging grass fires all the time. We have floods all the time. That's why we have towns called High River. Um, <laughs> it just happens here, but it's fascinating to people who've never been here, but to get all their news from the mainstream media to find out that we have conditions that exist here that don't necessarily exist in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. And I just, I love that this is arson because, not that I love that this is arson, but I would really like to see the arsonist when he's in court mm-hmm. trying to tell the judge, oh no, but it wasn't me. You caught me with those matches and the gas, but it definitely wasn't me because when you know it, the environment minister said it was climate change. So I'll be out of here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the same time, when Maxim Bernier did like a statement saying uh, that, He is thinking that he's mostly probably um, left activists who did start the fire. He got like painted as like it's a conspiracy theory and uh, don't believe that it's climate change. But that's from uh, a news in Quebec. <laughs> you know, is it, is that any more an unreasonable theory than saying my SUV did it? You know what I mean? Like, is it really more reasonable to think that maybe environmental activists started the fires to push their agenda? And just to be clear, I don't think that there's Mm -hmm. no evidence of that. I think it's just your run of the mill, careless people, firebugs and just things that happen, um, exhaust, sparks, whatever. Um, That's more likely than environmentalist activists running around starting fires. Mm -hmm. You want to know why? Because environmentalist activists are in the cities. <laughs> yeah. Their bikes don't go down logging roads because they're gravel. They're going to get gravel in their Birkenstocks, and that's really going to hurt. Um, but is that a more unreasonable theory than saying that my SUV affected the weather 
caused mm -hmm. it not to rain. And then because there was no rain, because my SUV was being driven around, that the fire started. Is that mm -hmm. really any less outrageous? I'm not sure. Probably not. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should go to this clip from uh, Jagmeet Singh, blaming mm -hmm. climate change for the fires. Yeah. I'm in Ottawa today, and just over my shoulder, that's Gatineau. Now, it may look in the, in the camera that there's some, there's some fog covering the city. It's not fog. It's actually smog. It's because the forest fires are so bad in the surrounding areas that the smoke from those fires has now filled the air. This is the first time that, that people have told me they can recall that forest fires have been so bad in this area that you're actually smelling the smoke in the air. You're seeing the smog. The sky is obscured. And it's proof that the impacts of climate crisis are hurting us now, not in some distant future. It's also proof that we need a, a response to firefighting across the country. As wildfires rage in unprecedented numbers so early in the season, we need to respond with a better approach to firefighting across the country. And we also need to do everything we can to fight the climate crisis and reduce our emissions. Our planet depends on it. How to take a disaster and mm -hmm. use it as a tool for his political party. Yeah, people's houses are burning down. They don't need your speculation that maybe their comfortable SUV is the culprit of it. Um, but it's not unusual to be able to smell fire when there's a fire burning nearby. I don't know why <laughs> he thinks that it's strange that you sh that fires smell like fire. Um, in BC a few years ago, uh, the Liberals did this very same thing. Catherine McKenna, the environment minister at the time, was like, looked out her window and she saw the smoke and she said, oh, look, this is an example of uh, climate change. Once again, that was arson. The RCMP said most of those fires were arson. But I also thought, you know what? If the climate crisis is really a crisis, the way Jagmeet Singh would have us believe, and he's doing this reporting, reporting on the fires from Ottawa. And isn't it strange? Isn't it strange that his commute to work is 9,000 kilometers a week? 9,000. So he represents a riding in Burnaby. I'm not sure if he lives there or not, but he should. Um, I think he was a drop in candidate, um, but he, he purports to live in Burnaby, British Columbia, and represent his riding. That's a 4,400 and change kilometer one-way trip to work once a week. So tell me why my climate emissions are the one causing the fires, but not his. Well, of course, it's never their problem. It's never their fault. It's always the fault of normal citizen. It's always the same thing with uh, the N I NPD or NDP. Depends if you're French or English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we should hit um, an ad break and then let's go into this thing that unfolded in uh, Edmonton at a school in Edmonton because um, I'm just I'm standing back and letting them fight it out. <laughs> um, let's hit that ad break and let's go to that.
seeing all those youngsters at the student journalism conference. I had a lot of fun last year. I met some young people in the gym there that were <laughs> prospective journalists. And we um, it's fun to see all the journal young journalists we met there take the skills we taught them and go uh, work for other companies. I think it's wonderful. Though we're creating this little army of civil liberties minded young people. Mm -hmm. We're working in media and that's so lacking because the journalism schools are just graduating leftists and the, you know, the conservative ones, we really want to make sure that they have a, a proper training and the ability to network not only with each other, but with, um, companies in the conservative ecosystem. So I think we successfully did that last year and I look forward to this year, August 11th through to the 13th in Toronto. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's start the gender ideology segment of the show. Um, some days I don't feel like talking about this stuff because I feel like it's pride season and I'm gonna, I'm already at my fill and what are we? Seven days in. <laughs> so, um, but let's, Let's uh, talk about this thing, this clip that came out, I think it was yesterday, um, out of a school in Edmonton. And Edmonton, as you know, is a progressive hellscape. It, this is from Londonderry Junior High. And it is a teacher telling Muslim students that they did the wrong thing for skipping school to avoid LGBTQ pride events because it conflicts with their religion. So this teacher is telling Muslim students that it is wrong for them to hold their Orthodox Muslim worldview in a public school. And in public school, you should be allowed to hold whatever worldview you want, but apparently the only one acceptable in a junior high school, by the way, this isn't even a high school. Like, why are you even talking a little like, like 12 year olds about this stuff? Um, but anyway, let's uh, roll this audio and then uh, we'll talk about it. Well, I'll tell you, you are out to lunch. If you think it's access, ac uh, acceptable to not show up because you think there's some pride activities going on at school, right? Oh, that's fine. You know, because I'm going to show my opinion by hanging out at the mall. But meanwhile, all those kids who are, you know, involved in, say, the Gay Street Alliance or whatever, I don't even know if we have that anymore in our school. They're here when we did Ramadan for lying time, and they're showing respect in the class for your religion, right? For your beliefs. It goes two ways. If you want to be respected for who you are, if you don't want to suffer prejudice for your religion, your uh, color of skin, your whatever, then you better give it back to people who are different from you. That's how it works. It's an exchange. And it isn't like that in all countries. As I told you, in Uganda, literally, if you, they think you're gay, they will execute you. If you believe that kind of thing, then you don't belong here. Because that is not what Canada believes. We believe in freedom. We believe that people can marry whomever they want. That is in the law. And if you don't think that should be the law, you can't be Canadian. You don't belong here. And I mean it. I really mean it. And it's not a joke, Manzoor. I said back and forth. You want it, you gotta give it. And I, it just makes me angry. Sorry. I don't really want to. She, 
she just mentioned, oh, in Canada, we believe on freedom. But what about right. the freedom of them, they, that they are not comfortable with their religion, with their belief, to not be there? Can they be free to exert their right? Right. Yeah, we believe in freedom. And so I believe in not forcing people to violate their religious conscience to participate and affirm in somebody else's lifestyle. By them not being there, it doesn't, it doesn't be harm. Why do they have to participate in these things that are not related to their education whatsoever? These are political things that you're making these kids do that will violate their conscience. And for people of conscience, when you you're risking their soul. Now you may or may not believe that they have a soul. You may or may not believe that there's such thing as a heaven or a hell, but religious people do believe that. And so when you force them to violate their worldview, you are forcing them to choose between heaven or hell to affirm your feelings. And that is emotional and psychological terrorism that you're inflicting on these people and good for these kids. To, to, you know what, I'm not, I'm, I'm usually not for like kids mocking adults. I really don't like that. But when, when the teacher goes like, it's not funny, Nazur, or whatever, because the kid was obviously laughing while this teacher lost her marbles because they didn't come to the pride flag raising or whatever. Who cares? Like, who cares? If these kids missed an exam, I want to see a teacher upset. But I doubt that a teacher would be this upset if these kids missed an exam or skipped some actual relevant school thing. I bet she would be like, fine, we don't believe in giving zeros. I'll see you at lunchtime and you can rewrite your exam. She would be perfectly fine. She's losing her marbles because these kids didn't participate in a pride thing that violates their religion. I, however, cannot wait to see how this plays out because... Um, these are Muslim students. Now, if she were berating Christian students, everyone would just shrug their shoulders and walk away. But she's berating Muslim students. And so I want to see how the left reacts to this, because I feel like nature's healing a little bit. And so on the social conservative side, we're setting aside our differences and we're coming together because we have a common enemy and it is people who want to trans our kids. And so I, I cannot wait to see what shakes out of the tree here. But in the same time, also like there is the proud my uh, the sorry I, I heard sometimes my background so uh, there is the Pride Month that is coming up and I know that a lot of school are now preparing some activity and I'm just wondering if they will let the student free from those school or they will coerce the student to participate and to do what they tell them to do and. It would be interesting to to know what is going on in those schools. If if like some parents have like some idea, I invite them like to write to us. If something like happened that sure. there there is some coercion on children because uh, children should be free just to play as normal like kids. It's what I was doing when I was young. <laughs> yeah, this is adult weirdness, and it should have nothing to do with little kids should have nothing to do with school. I'm anti-bullying, for sure. Even weird kids, leave them alone. Nerds, leave them alone. Just leave everybody alone. Find your little friend group at school and cleave to each other. But don't bully each other. I'm anti-bullying, but I'm also anti-forcing other people to affirm whatever thing you're going through right now. I don't need everybody to 
pat me on the back because I'm Catholic. I don't, I don't need that. I just want to be left alone. And that's how most people are. But this is a, like, this is a different thing. Mm -hmm. This is looking for affirmation and forcing everybody else to participate in it. Um, and you know, if, as you say, if there are parents who are, um, finding that there's coercion happening at the school, send it to us at tips at rebelnews.com that comes directly to my email inbox and a bunch of other people's email inboxes. And we'll make sure that if there's something there, if we're able to investigate that we will, but also realize that we do need to reach out to all sides. And, um, sometimes it requires documents. Like if you're not willing to go on the record, then we need documents. We just can't go on. This is what happened. I'm telling you what happened that unfortunately that's not good enough. We need to be able to confirm sources and things like that. So just so you know how we investigate things. And and it's sad because you, you just mentioned it like it's mostly the parents of the adult that force on children to to do stuff or course the children. Like example at the yeah. museum when in my report the the man just performed and put himself naked in front of children. Um, all the children, most of them, did hide their, their face. I don't think they were, like, consent to be there, and I don't think, like, they were happy to see a naked man in front of them. So it's really sad to see the society to try for the opening society and gender ideology and being, like, a really... Um, open society, we do that to children that are not ready to be exposed to genitalia or yeah. other like crazy stuff. Yeah, little kids know that they're not supposed to see grown-ups naked. They know that. Um, and you're only little for a very short period of time before the weight of the adult world crushes down on you and steals your innocence. We should not be taking innocence away from little kids sooner then it needs to happen because it will happen hmm. and it's terrible. Um, and they're going to see things that they should never see as our job as parents and adults in society to make sure that these things don't creep into their lives sooner than they should. And, um, so frankly, shame on these parents, shame on these organizations, shame on this museum for even making this not like an 18 plus thing, because if that were shown on TV, it would be 18 plus. Like if that were a movie, Little kids would not be allowed to go to it because it would be like rated R or whatever, NC-17 or whatever the rating is, if that were a movie. But because it's shown at a museum that taxpayers pay for, it's just an all-ages thing. And, and, and it's why, because if Ruben News was not on scene at that moment, nobody will have known about what happened during the launching of this exhibition. And it's why most of the mainstream have retake my work to do like this is unacceptable from a museum that is paid by taxpayer to show this kind of performance in front of children same if the museum say that you have like a warning on the website there is no warning on any publication inviting people to the launching of the event never you mention that is for a advertise uh, public and that it will have nudity and genitalia and uh, it's really not for children. You didn't mention that and I look at all the publication and uh, I think now the museum it's a bit 
under pressure and under the radar. Good. Good. They thought they could get away with this. Thank God you were there. Thank God you were there. Because, you know, parents would continue to take their children to this thing. Um, and I think now some of these, you know, pro, I, I call it Munchausen by proxy, which is what it really is. Um, these parents might think twice about exposing their children to this, not because they don't want to expose their children to this, but they don't want the scrutiny, which is good enough for me. Whatever saves the little child at the end of the day, I don't really care about the motive involved. Um, we should move ahead to this Our Duty Canada tweet on the uh, issue of sexualizing little kids and exposing them to adult issues mm -hmm. long before they should. So this is four, five, and six-year-olds now. Um, this form was sent home today from school, a school in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and it came home with a kindergarten child. Everyone in this kindergarten class is being asked to sell pins that indicate sexual orientation and gender identity. Where why? does the money go and why? And to whom are you selling these pins? Why doing that? What is the goal on this? I guess to normalize. Are troubling the mind of people? Yeah, I think so. Like, I just don't know where the money goes. Like you sell the pin, who gets the money? Yeah, true. But in the same time, I remember that we always been taught that you have your secret garden and sometimes you have some things that you keep for yourself as Yeah. Who who needs to know with what I'm doing in private place with people? Nobody. Yeah. This is my private life. And who like I don't understand why you want to tell people those yeah. things. You gotta like you gotta keep things back, right? Like I, I just don't I don't know why anybody would be interested <laughs> in what I'm doing. But the people on the other side are very narcissistic. They think we all care about what they're doing behind closed doors. And it is literally the last thing I care about. I only care insofar as they make me care. <laughs> by sticking it in my face all the time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a very strange situation. Um, we went from the government having no business in the bedrooms of the country to not only is it the government's business, apparently it's my business too. And if I don't care, then I'm a bigot. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. The, the society uh, have changed so, so fast. So fast. So let's go to this next thing. Um, it's Billboard Chris. Billboard Chris is a pro-parents rights activist and I, I, I would say a children's rights activist um, because he is against the gender transition and early sexualization of minor children. And he said he's flying across Canada right now en route to Ottawa where the biggest gender ideology protest and counter-protest in Canadian history is taking place this Friday. You know what? God help Billboard Chris. He's already had his arm broken by uh, Antifa activists who hate what he's doing. Um, and I, I'm really worried about his safety. Ottawa residents have been sent letters warning of my presence, actually. Parents have received emails from their kids' school, and all the violent Antifa members are getting ready for their social justice Super Bowl. If you wish to peacefully join us, please do so. See, he's the guy calling for peace. And he is, he's so peaceful. He's so monotone. The guy never even gets excited when he's being hit or beaten up. He's always... I, it, He's not a happy warrior because there's nothing to be happy about, but he's always a very calm warrior. And he realizes that the scrutiny is on him and not the violent individuals attacking mm -hmm. him. He said, I have extra signs. Please do not bring your own. This is a great point. 
because he wants to control the message. So he doesn't want people to bring their signs that the mainstream media might paint as bigoted. Yeah. So he's bringing his own signs so that the message is cohesive. Very smart, Chris. We are tightly controlling the messaging on this. This is about what's being taught to kids and what's happening to them in gender clinics. If you're prone to responding to aggression with aggression, please do not come or just keep a healthy distance from angry trans activists. Gandhi is the example to strive for. Police will have a significant presence, but who knows if they will do anything to keep the peace? Probably nothing. They might take away Chris. Uh, they haven't done anything to protect me from the mob in the past. The Canadian government and various politically captured organizations pushing this madness on society don't get to force their gender religion on us anymore. Not without a fight, and we're never going to stop fighting. This is our country, not theirs. Our children, not theirs. Amen. We do not co-parent with the government. Yes, Canada is run by extremists and liars, and we're going to defeat them by calmly spreading the truth. See you at the protest on Friday, and I'll see Ottawa out on the streets the next three days. You know, I, I love that he said that these are our children, not theirs, and we don't co-parent with the government. There's a phrase that I that just prickles me every time I hear it, and it is, it takes a village to raise a child. No, your child lives in the village. <laughs> your child lives in a society, but they don't get to raise your kids. You can't say that. Um, you know, if you, your child needs a family of support systems. They need grandparents, they need aunties, they need uncles, they need two parents, a mom and a dad. I can say that with experience um, as someone who grew up without a dad and as someone who was a single mom for seven years, your kid needs both parents. It's the best for everybody involved. But this idea that you need a village, no, because the village, uh, that's a bunch of unrelated people who don't get an opinion on what happens inside your family. So quit saying that, please. <laughs> that's not a good thing. And letting the village raise your child is how you end up with kids being maimed in gender clinics. And question for you, what do you think would be the boiling point for all this to stop? I think we're coming to it pretty quick. Um, And the reason I say that is because we have enough time out from when we started doing this to kids for now the regret, the um, health consequences, the suicidality. We're starting to see those chickens come home to roost, as they say a little bit. We've got uh, enough evidence now to show the damage that we've done to kids because we've got, you know, a, enough years of data coming back. And I think it's going to be undeniable that this was a social contagion and hysteria akin to the satanic panic of the 80s, where this has been a drastic society-wide uh, social experiment that was a huge mistake. And the youngest, most vulnerable us were the guinea pigs who are now suffering damage we cannot undo. And I think We're getting to the point really quickly where not only has the other side overplayed their hand, where they're like, actually, my baby's trans. <laughs> And even people are like, who don't care about this stuff are like, that's insane. Uh, but also when there are enough people around you speaking up and experiencing regret and remorse for what they've done and what's been done to them when they were too young to make these decisions, um, I think we're getting to that tipping point very, very quickly. And that's why they're getting more violent and out of control is mm -hmm. because they see the end is nigh as well. Because I saw that happening in after the pandemic, 
everything explodes so quickly mm-hmm. and degenerated so quickly that I'm just like, it's when you try too, too much to try to make something pass as normal that everything will collapse at one point. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think we should get to some of these chats. We have a few chats and, um, yeah, that's good. We've got one from Liard Kintyre. Uh, someone who routinely sends me messages on my Twitter account, um, attacking my religion, my stance on trans ideology. Um, but whatever, (laughs) I'll take the, I'll take the chat and continue to ignore your incessant tweets. Uh, Liard Kintyre gives me five bucks and says, I never experienced bigotry from my fellow conservatives when I appeared as a cis male. It's only after I came out as a trans woman. Funny that. Well, uh, I'm not, uh, it's not bigotry to disagree with your worldview. It's not. That's the free and liberal exchange of ideas. People get to disagree with you. Um, people get to object to you wanting to be in my washroom. Mm-hmm. People get to object to that. That That's not bigotry. That's somebody disagreeing with you. You get to do whatever you want. You get to live your life however you want. What you don't get to do is to force your opinions on other people and get them to affirm your worldview as the best one. This is a free society and people get to choose how they live. You got to choose how they live or how you live. They get to choose how they live with their own worldview and um, leave everybody alone. You know, try leaving my Twitter account alone. But bigotry and homophobia and transphobia, this is some word that been used too easily recently. Because if you just say, example, there is two gender only, automatically you're all this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, uh, I have a real tough time hearing about bigotry from people who have now co-opted the whole summer. <laughs> Everywhere you go, someone is flying your flag. If I don't fly your flag, I'm a bigot. I'll get canceled. Uh, the grocery store has the trans flag up and the pride flag up and the bank has the pride flag up and millionaire sports athletes are getting canceled because mm-hmm. they don't believe the same things as you. I've got a real tough time hearing people complain to me about bigotry when right now it would appear that you seem to be the most privileged part of society. You want to transition? I get to pay for it. Mm -hmm. You, You have a pride parade and the government funds your security even though the people who object to you are the ones who are having violence inflicted upon them. So I'm sorry disagreeing with you is not bigotry you're gonna have to get over it <laughs> and as the uh, drag queen say she compare the transition as the vasectomy for men that oh the state is paying for that a vasectomy <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if uh, the drag queen or king knows anything about vasectomies but it doesn't involve turning your penis inside out <laughs> oh man anyway um let's go uh ableist sl gives us five bucks islam is genuinely bad but it's funny to see regressive leftists try to force them to declare allegiance to the terrorist ideology of intersexual cultural marxism thus join the false muslims you know what 
um, there are uh, radical aspects in every religion, um, including my own. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just d- refuse to paint all Muslims with the same brush in the same way that I refuse to accept somebody painting all Christians like the Westboro Baptists. And so um, I, I, I don't equate regular Muslims who want to teach their children a social conservative worldview with the radical political version of it that wants to take over the world. I think there are two fundamental differences. And um, uh I, I just I don't think it's helpful um, for us to just do as the left does and paint everybody buddy with the same bread brush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with the, you. Um, uh, see, and, and by the way, some of the people who are most at jeopardy for being outspoken about radical Islam are the moderate Muslims, like our friend Raheel Raza. Uh, I believe she may or may not still have a fatwa on, on her head uh, because she's a reformist Muslim and a woman who speaks out against radical Islam. And, uh, you know, she, her personal safety is frequently in jeopardy because of it. So, But in all sphere, there is radical. And this is when all the bad is coming out. Like, yeah. generally, all religion... Our religion are good at some point, but if you go to the extremes, of course you will have like some bats coming up. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm Catholic, so <laughs> like we did some bad stuff during the Troubles <laughs> in Ireland. So um, you know, there, there's again, there's I, I acknowledge that mm-hmm. there is radical Islam, but I, I wouldn't equate these parents who just want their children to be left alone and not be infected with trans ideology with those people. I just don't. Um, see Lancaster 13 gives us five bucks. Will Rebel News work on exposing Trudeau for the misogynist he truly is, who uses women as trophies to manipulate young women to vote for him? Are you new here? <laughs> because we've been up to that for quite some time. And yeah. uh, he's also very intimidated by the um, women at our company who frequently speak truth to power. Alexa Lavoie is a, a very famous example of this, who Justin Trudeau refused to take her questions at the debate, even though she had incredible questions that Canadians wanted answers to. We've uh, talked about Jody Wilson-Raybould and um, Selena Cesar Chavanez, I think is how mm-hmm. you say her name, who was kicked out of the um, Liberal caucus because of... Um, her rejection of how Justin Trudeau treats women. We've talked about the Kokanee Grope and how Justin Trudeau said, well, I wouldn't have grabbed you if I had known that you were a woman with a platform, a journalist. You know, I, he just gropes waitresses because they they can't really fight back, I guess, was the implication there. Um, so, yeah, we've uh, frequently talked about how Justin Trudeau is an absolute misogynist when he, we're not talking about how he's doing blackface. He's everything he says he isn't. It's more than frequently. Almost all the time. <laughs> it's, const- it's constant. Um, we're all guilty of the crimes that he's committed, right? Like his blackface is a moment that we all need to learn from. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he groped that woman, it was her experiencing it differently, right? Mm. Um, Bonnie Denolishin gives us 10 bucks. Since when is pride a religion? Fire this teacher. It seems to be a religion, doesn't it? Like it, it has a very strict set of rituals and protocols. And if you don't uh, participate in them, then you are a heretic and an apostate. So 
it's a religion, uh, but the God is the self, right? Do the thing that makes you feel good, which is hedonism. It's actually the mantra of Satanism when you think about it. But, um, but yeah, like it, it's definitely behaves as though it is a religion, doesn't it? And I'm happy to see that more and more teacher are, for some are speaking out of what is going on in the school area. And I invite like some people want to speak to, and if they want to remain confidential, we keep you confidential. Yes. Yes, we do. We, we protect our sources. We'll go to court, uh, before we ever divulge our sources. And even <laughs> then we still won't divulge our sources. So we will protect you with the same ferocity that we would protect our own journalists. Mm. Uh, Lionheart, 1979, gives us 10 bucks. Were you surprised by the news about the merger between the PGA and the Saudi-backed LIV Golf coming out during the RBC Canadian Open? Uh, can I tell you that I know very little about golf, but I also know that the Saudis have a lot of money and they really want to get into professional sports. Golf, uh, wrestling also. Um, you know, like they, they really like having wrestling events come to Saudi Arabia and then they cover all the women up, which is why 50% of men watch wrestling, but whatever. Um, so I, they are trying to, I think it's project, I would call it a project of renormalization or at least attempted normalization by the Saudis to, um, use their money to fix the world's perception of them as a regressive, um, anti-fun anti-freedom theocracy. I'm not sure it's working. Uh, Ableist SL, five bucks. There are allegations that the degenerate crap is the first phase of a globalist plan to try to legalize pedophilia just to escape justice by forcing minors. They, I don't know if I can say that word on air, mm -hmm. and sex trafficked to prove that. I think we might get us kicked off YouTube if we say it. Um, uh, I don't know if that's it. I think you're thinking a little bit too macro and big. I think it's just normalizing sexualization of kids. And if you're normalizing sex to kids early, where do you think that's going? If you are seeing little kids as sexual beings, where do you think that's going to go? Why would you do that if not to use little children as sexual objects? That's the end goal here. I don't, I don't think we have to think about this as any like globalist agenda. Mm -hmm. It's just weirdos who want to make it normal for little kids to be exposed to sex, talk about sex, because then it all of a sudden isn't weird when the grown up talks to them about sex. And then where does it go from there? No, we're good. Me, I was really horrified when I learned about MAP. M A P. Oh. I was like, oh my God. And there is so many stuff online about it. And they try to normalize that for the people who don't know what maps mean. It's minor attractive person. So right. they really try to normalize this. And um, I was really horrified when I, I saw some of the website about that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a rebrand, right? They're just putting a fresh coat of paint on a, <laughs> an old fashioned evil uh, by using different words. Yeah. 
Snowy Roof gives us 10 bucks. Maybe a little off topic today, but is Rebel News planning to cover the court proceedings of the four political prisoners from the Coots blockades being held in Lethbridge June 12th, being in jail 439 plus days? Um, our Sydney Fazard has been covering that. And um, I suppose we should send him back to Coots. The problem is, that there's a publication ban in place there. Oh. And so a lot of people are saying, well, why aren't you covering it? This, why aren't you covering this? What can we cover? There's a publication ban in place. And that publication ban was not asked for by the province. It was asked for by the men, by their lawyers. Now, I don't know if the men actually want it, but it's kind of smart of their lawyer to make sure that nobody knows anything about the facts of the case. And it makes it easier to find a jury, doesn't it? Um, but... It's their publication ban in place. So it's very difficult for us to go there to report on these things because what can we tell you? And it, it's crazy when you think about it. We send journalists there and the only thing that the journalists can say is like, oh, there was a court trial, but um, yeah. I cannot say to you anything because we can't. Yeah. So yeah. the question is what they have to hide so much to put a publication ban. Well, it was brought forward by the lawyers of the men. And it's to make sure that they get a fair trial. It frequently happens in cases like this. And um, I see why I see exactly why they did it. However, it does make our job a little bit more difficult um, to bring you the news. And people think that we're avoiding the story. And we're not. We're, we have a very keen eye to it. But what can we tell you? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'd love to tell you something. I just can't. Mm -hmm. um and oh look at that uh thomas x hatfield 10 bucks it takes a mob of village idiots to raise a generation of damaged frightened confused children yes exactly look around your neighborhood look around your town especially if you live in edmonton mm -hmm. do you want that village raising your kids i definitely don't <laughs> And so whenever somebody says it takes a village to raise your kids, it just sends a chill up my spine because it's the last thing that I want, especially when you live in a progressive village. And I think that's it. Oh, we're all done. We're only five minutes over today. This is a record for me. I might just make my manager's meeting anyway. Oh, it's because I don't talk a lot. <laughs> it's because I talked too much. You I'm going to get emails saying, Sheila, you didn't let Alexa speak. I know. And I'm very sorry. I'm oh, very no, sorry. It's fine. It's just that I didn't have David today. So then I could actually say something. <laughs> so I should be uh, more often with you. I will let yeah, you please. talk. Let talking. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to like the YouTube comments are like, Sheila didn't shut up. <laughs> I know. I know it's coming. Um, okay, uh, we should wrap up the show. Alexa, thank you so much for being my co-host today. I'm very sorry that I monopolized the microphone. Um, I was honestly just trying to speed things along a little bit because I do have a meeting right after this. Um, but you did a great job. And um, I'm glad you're in the studio enjoying that beautiful studio. And uh, it's all thanks to our supporters at home at buildthedream.ca. 
And I suppose I should thank everybody uh, working behind the scenes in the studio today, Efron, Olivia, all the the team that works behind the scenes to make sure that the show is there for you to watch <laughs> whenever you want to watch it. That's a big job, too. Um, and thank you to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to everybody who kicked in a little bit of money to keep the lights on here, even the people who don't like me and who will harass me on Twitter. I'll take your money. I don't care. <laughs> Sheila, everybody <laughs> likes you, so... Oh, Stop I that. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. There's some haters in them, their chats. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. And as David Menzies always says, stay sane. While the emergency phase of the COVID-19 pandemic is now over, investments in digital infrastructure remain an important resource for health systems and for economies and societies at large. Like many countries, the European Union made significant investments in COVID-19 certificates to help people move around as safely as possible during the pandemic. The European Union certification system was used by all 27 EU member states and more than 50 other countries. Building on the success of the EU system, WHO is proud today to launch the Global Digital Health Certification Network. So thank you so much to European uh, Union for the excellent certification system that you have transferred to us and we have the chance to build on it. WHO will begin operations of the network today with the existing COVID-19 certificate as a global public good. Soon after, we will expand this infrastructure by incorporating other use, such as a digitized international certificate of vaccination, routine immunization cards, and international patient summaries.